different sales processes and different ways of working and different ways of logging in the system. So we just need that unification and in terms of systems and process to so that we all work with opportunities in the same way, we all work in you know with customers in the same way. Because only then can you do your predictable revenue and only then can you draw the conclusions and, and do measure all the conversion rates. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello. And welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by CJ Farnstrom, who is the head of business operations at my news desk. CJ, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is an absolute pleasure. We haven't had that much representation from the Northern Europe slash Scandinavian countries on the show. So I'm, I'm very glad to have you here today, CJ. Thank you. First question is, I see from your work history that you, once upon a time, were in sales. You, you had an account manager role. I'd love to know two questions. First, what impact that experience has had on your sales ops career? And then secondly, why you transitioned from that into sales ops? Mm. Um, yeah, so the impact, well, I think um, what that brought me was kind of a a respect of how insanely difficult that job is, like the sales job. And um, basically every month you're starting from scratch. You know, you might have a pipeline built up, but um, you have zero on your account and, and just it's a journey like every month and it starts over and you need to to chase that revenue and get, and get the meetings and do the calls. And it's... Um, uh, it is a tough job. Um, so after, uh, that I have uh, with me, absolutely. And in terms of um, also in my role now, I think having that experience with me uh, also makes it easier for me to kind of work with these uh, with salespeople today. Because I, I understand them and I, you know, I speak their language a bit. and. Um, yeah, just the respect for them. Absolutely. I think the reason I moved into sales ops was uh, yeah, well, I started out in, in sales. I, I was, you know, moderately successful in sales. Uh, I think I've always been more of a system and process, you know, stronger in, in those areas. Um, and then at the point in time when I worked at the company Project Place, 
we have new leadership coming in, a new strategy for that company, um, and new leaders coming in with the kind of mission to sell that company. And then um, we were kind of um, trying to set the solid processes and systems and you know everything around that in in the company. So a business operations group was set up uh, because of that. And my kind of profile kind of mapped into uh, to that group. So I joined that group and, and we started uh, um, setting up that um, that group and those, those processes around that company. Awesome. Moving on to, to skills. From our research of you, it seems like your area of expertise lies between both uh, leadership and analytical skills. As your career has progressed, what if the, um, the usage of each of those, has that changed over time? For example, did you used to use more analytical skills like earlier on in your career um, and then leadership skills later on? Would you, would you agree with that? Mixture. Yeah, I suppose so. The the uh, first roles I had in, um, as, as I said in, in this first group I joined, and uh, that was a business operations group. So we were um, people different different competences in that group, and I was kind of a sales operations person there. And we had a marketing person and a finance person in that cross-functional group. And then my job was uh, pretty much to know to provide knowledge about how salespeople work and think and, and sales process and uh, also to do you know, reporting and lots of analytical things like that. Um, whereas now I'm in a role where I'm uh, taking more of a holistic business operations approach and also doing a lot of um, uh, change management I mean sales process. Um, so for that, yes, uh, in that change management and kind of leading those projects, um, the sales process changes. Um, it's definitely the, the leadership skills played in more. Got it. Let's zoom in onto my news desk now. I'm quite interested in the structure of the team, especially if you, you've moved from a sales ops role to a business ops role. Um, does sales ops fit within the larger business operations function? No. So um, it was essentially my news desk uh, a couple of years ago, you know, setting a new strategy to kind of do a, a kind of turnaround and growth plan. Uh, and one of the um, things that came out of that plan was to, to start working with the sales operations or business operations function uh, because that, that didn't exist here before. So I kind of joined our sales operations and um, pretty much you know teach the company what, what uh, sales operations uh, business operations person can do. Um, so in that I, I worked a lot with the sales process and, and sales technology and, and commission models and sales enablement and prospecting and so on. Um, sorry, please repeat the, the, the question. Uh, it was just uh, whether the, the sales ops function sits underneath or within business uh, operations. Yeah, so now um, I kind of um, I kind of moved into a business operations role when um, 
we had just natural reorganizations in the company. So now I kind of take the rather the holistic view rather than than just a sales operations view. And and also now I have two Salesforce admins in in the team. Beautiful. And so. What is the size of the whole business ops team and what is the size of the sales ops function within that? So we are three people in, in business operations and um, I am kind of the, the sales operations focus sort of in the team and then we have two dedicated Salesforce admins. Amazing. Yeah. And then roughly how many sales reps are you guys uh, kind of responsible for? So we serve, uh, I think, about 45 sales reps, including managers. Um, we have 15 CS people and 10 SDRs. Wow. And, they, and you're responsible for the ops for all of those 70 people. Yeah. yeah. And then um, we work closely with a marketing operations representative as well, but the marketing operations is not included right now in the, in the team. But we, um, yeah, we, we have tight collaboration. So when the um, when the number of reps that you're responsible for increases, how do you like? Do you still maintain a one-on-one relationship with all with all these seventy individuals that you're responsible for? Like, how how do you manage that? As that scales faster than your team scales, how do you manage the interaction with the with the reps, FGRs, CS team? Uh, so today, I said we have a lot of um, um, we have a lot of interaction with the individual sales reps in terms of. Salesforce cases and tickets coming in and, and you know problems that occur. I think as as it scales, um, maybe we'll have more channeled through the sales managers. But um, essentially, the whole the whole task and the whole mission is to get it as, as automated as, as possible, right? So like so that we uh, can provide frameworks and systems and processes for it to be able to serve more people just on on a small team. Got it. Yeah. So that was almost a bad question to ask, right? Because it's your job to build the processes to allow it to scale. So you don't have to sit down with every new sales rep to explain how Salesforce works. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, so that, that will, especially for enablement, for an example, um, that is the situation we have today. And, and like every new employee starting to you know, onboard them and get them up to speed on, on systems and processes and so on. Um, but you know, there's just tons of possibilities and systems and things that we can do to uh, automate that. So yeah. On, on the topic of automation, could you break down like the core um, parts of the sales tech stack you have? Uh, yeah. So we um, we run HubSpot for marketing automation. We have uh, Salesforce uh, CRM. Uh, we're now implementing Salesforce CPQ, which is this quoting and, and subscription module. Um, we run a NetSuite for ERP, uh, and then we have a bunch of smaller apps connected to, to Salesforce, you know, for digital signature, and, and we have an AI kind of prospecting tool. It's pretty cool, called Qualifier. Uh, we do some card payments on Stripe. And uh, we run some sales navigator and LinkedIn for prospecting. Amazing. And in the first, well, nearly a, ha- a half of the year, but in the first quarter, first half of 2021, what has been a big focus for the three of you? We have solely, almost solely focused on the CPQ implementation now. Um, to, because the, our 
our Space Force org is very old. It's from, I think, 2005, six something. And, you know, as, as companies grow and you do tons of reorganizations over the years, and Salesforce ends up being just a patchwork, right, of, of, um, of just, you know, codes and different things and objects. And uh, um, so we are doing a bit of a Salesforce revamp, whereas CPQ is one of the one of the components of that, but also like a driver to kind of clean up uh, things. Um, like we, like two years ago, I would say we, all of our um, sales orders come, came in and um, we just stacked upon each other. So we just had, had a bunch of opportunities and a bunch of sales orders. Whereas now we're kind of uh, moving into having subscriptions to, to really align with how a subscription business is working. So um, that is a big shift in, in kind of data model, which we work on. Awesome. And then final question from me is, who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Yeah, so um, I saw a different, uh, another episode uh, of this um, podcast here when there was a uh, Stephanie from Google, who's also a Swedish, um, uh, also living in Sweden. And like, one of the problems I have is like lack of network. Like there's, very few business operations people in Scandinavia as a whole. And so literally just anyone in business operations I can just share my thoughts with. And um, we actually connected and um, said that we really need to to set up some kind of network in uh, in Scandinavia and in Sweden. Yeah, I mean, I I think I remember saying to Stephanie that there should be, there should be a Scandinavian sales ops or maybe not, maybe Scandinavian business or revenue ops uh, network. And I, I think yeah. that you two, and there's another guy called Tim from Funnel, who has also been on the show. Mm, mm. Yeah. You three should be the founding partners, I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, uh, that will be our first lunch. Amazing. Mm. Now I'm going to hand over to my wonderful co-host, Alex, for some more sales ops specific questions. Thanks, Tom. Um, and thanks, CJ. That was, that was really interesting. And <laughs> it was quite funny as I was listening, I made a, a number of, of notes of things I thought I could ask you about. But I think the thing that got me most interested was what we touched on at the end, where you said, you know, you've got, you've got, um, or you know, my news have, um, has such an old sort of Salesforce um, instance, um, you know, being going 12 years and how it gets higgledy-piggledy sort of put together. And, and I just think that's probably representative of so many businesses out there and, and the temptation, you know, do you spend all this money on a complete migration to a new org? Or in your case, do you do a revamp? So I'd just love to hear a bit more about the revamp process, um, about any tips and things that you might have for that. Um, yeah. I think a lot of um, like the companies I worked for, for before um, have, have had a time in their com- corporate life, company life, that you know they got new investors or merged with the company or, or something big happened that kind of uh, made a system cleanup for some reason, like they, they, were, they were forced to switch CRM or, but we never had that. So like, so essentially we just built on and on and on. Um, and that was absolutely up for discussion. Like, should we kind of start all, all over again? 
Uh, and we were looking to merge with another company. Um, and then that would have been a good option just to start over. Uh, we ended up not merging. We're just working as a sister company instead. Um, so then we kind of thought that we could, it's, it's probably a better idea to just revamp it and just have keep people working in our in our orgs and then we can just work in background and uh, you know just launch it at some point great thanks and i suppose so what were some of your priorities then when it came to revamping what were some of the things that needed to change well salesforce has surprisingly poor support for subscription business even though they are like SaaS themselves um so in in this revamp we're absolutely looking for um like just, just supporting the kind of uh, sales model that we have that's similar to a lot of SaaS companies with an SDR team and the AE team and TSM and, and we kind of work on renewals and we do amendments and so on. Uh, and just to have that um, structured and, and measurable so that we can do the forecasting we want um, and also to support the um, uh, like a large it says a marketing funnel across the, the whole organization so they can see how many leads do, do we get in and from what sources and how many opportunities does those create and you know what, what money do we get from those and how, how long does it take to, to do each and every one conversion because then you can do your like forecasting um, that you need for making four-year plans or five-year plans or even go into other markets, right? Um, that is definitely what you um, think that it's just super beneficial to have in place. Thank you. And um, I suppose, so, and would it, would it, is it fair to say that one of the big impacts of a sort of a, 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 a sort of an old and, and fragmented and sort of ad hoc built Salesforce org is is it makes it harder to get that um, that unification across the the whole revenue life cycle? Would, it, would that be something that you would you'd agree with? Mm, no, it's. Um, I mean, it all depends on how it's built from the beginning. So I, I think a, um, uh, a problem that we have had, and, and that maybe a lot of other companies, especially European companies, maybe have had that they have sales teams around Europe and in different different countries, and um, kind of lead to different sales processes and, and different ways of working and different ways of, of logging in the system. We just need that unification and uh, in terms of systems and process to so that we all work with opportunities in the same way. We all work in you know with customers in the same way. Because only then can you you know do your predictable revenue, and only then can you draw, draw the conclusions and, and do measure all the conversion rates and, and, and time lapses and so on. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And then. Just last question, I think, but just on on your implementation of, of CPQ, um, which seems to be you know increasingly mm-hmm. popular at the moment, but also one of the sort of the, the hardest and longest things that people tend to find um, to implement. Um, and you said you spent most of the focus, most of the quarter or, or even the, the year so far, on on trying to get that in. Any any particular challenges or tips that you've had from from trying to get that implemented that would could be helpful for other people thinking of the same thing? Yeah. No, just yeah. It 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 all, it all depends on where you start from. Uh, I was in a similar CPU implementation in my last job, 
where on ground setup was pretty good. We already had like a subscription framework and for that was just super super easy. Um, here and in other companies I work with, um, we don't we don't have like the sense of a subscription. It's just orders on top of each other, and that that is makes it everything more difficult, of course. Um, so it's just time, and, and the way we've done it here now is that we're gonna, you know, as part of the enablement, just prepare a um, user acceptance test sandbox and just let people in and test and just you know test the other one during summer and then we'll um, you know configure and, and make the adjustments and launch up the summer. Great. Well, hope that all goes well. But it sounds like a really solid mm-hmm. approach. Um, cool. Thanks very much. That's all, all the questions I have. All right, CJ, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to call this episode, or, or the thing that struck me the, the hardest was actually your first point about the, the, the account manager or the sales role is really, really hard. And so I'm going to call this episode the most <laughs> difficult job in the world. And it, because it, uh, I think it's so, so important that um, sales ops, ops, ops people understand that their customers or the people they work with, which is the sales reps. And that's the thing that I took away from this episode. So... I want to thank you so much for, for being so generous with your time and wisdom um, with Salesforce Demystified. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.